Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. Cody Wooten is the founder and CEO of the Leadership Guide Business and Podcast, where his mission is to take people from peak performer to legendary leader by unlocking their heroic potential. He is a member of the Forbes Coaches Council and finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for coaches with ideas that can change people, businesses, and the world for the better. And if that wasn't enough, he's also a pretty cool dude. In this podcast, Cody and I dive into a variety of conversations, including what COVID-19 is revealing is truly important in life, how to close the gap between who we are now and who we want to be, and how to tune into that inner voice that guides us towards a path of greater purpose and fulfillment. Hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. We are live. Cody. Wolf. How's it going, man? Dude, I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Uh, if I'm being frank, it's some weird times. And <laughs> as you know... To say the least. To say the right? very least. Uh, I mean, it's March 22nd. We are... Would you say we're in the thick of uh, perhaps one of the craziest, weirdest epidemic corona thingy we got going on in the world right now? Uh, I, I would definitely say that we're, we're probably close to the thick point. I don't I know if so. it's necessarily the thick point, but I don't, I, I personally don't foresee it becoming dramatically worse than mm-hmm. it already has. I mean, there are, there are some places where like cities are shut down right now, yeah. which is, it's something that I think is a little bit over the top, but at the same time, I kind of understand. Uh, just because, from what I understand about the virus, it's fast spreading, and so if we can just reduce the spread of it, that'll be beneficial. I I will say, however, that I think how most of the masses are reacting to this is nonsensical. Oh, you don't. That's say. my personal opinion. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me that when you have as much energy, time, and effort in the media going towards sensationalizing what we're seeing, yeah. uh, they're they're putting these numbers in front of us and they're talking about things are flying off the shelf. And yes. naturally, especially if we don't have the agency to just take some woosah breaths, and like ground ourselves a little bit. And the first thing that we're doing is we're heading into this fight or flight sympathetic nervous system. I got to take care of myself and my family. And next thing you know, ain't nobody got anything to wipe their butt. You're, you're absolutely right. The, the biggest <laughs> challenge that we've got, 
I, I would almost say with us as a society, not just with the coronavirus, but like as a society, is we put a lot of faith in the news. Mm -hmm. that the news is going to report the news. That's kind of what we expect the news to do, but they don't really do that anymore. They are purposefully sensationalizing everything. And if they can get an angle to report on something, they're going to put that angle in there, whether it's true or not, and whether it's beneficial or not. Um, Because they know that's how they get more views, and their viewership is how they make money. Ratings are a thing. It's really uh, funny almost. My my dad and my family were real big movie watchers. And I happened to walk into the room and they were watching this movie. came out in 2011, I believe. It's called Contagion. Okay. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that movie, but mm-hmm. it starred some, like, Matt Damon and, oh, crap. I forget his name, Morpheus from The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. That guy, yes, him and some other big stars. And in the movie, they have this massive epidemic outbreak of a disease they've never seen. And in the movie, it's messing up people and like killing them because of respiratory malfunction. And the WHO and the CDC are inside this movie and they're reporting. I'm just like, well, this is weird. Like, this is very telling of exactly what we are experiencing in this moment. It was, it was, uh, what would be, what's the word for that? It's a really great word for that. But it was, it was too close. It was way too similar. It felt like something out of, uh, was it South Park where they're always like predicting the future? Real odd <laughs> stuff. Well, you, I, I, so I'm not a hundred, I'm, what I'm about to say is not something I'm a hundred percent behind but it, it goes with what you're saying right now. Uh-huh. So just, just bear with me. There is this theory out there that the government um, basically subliminally puts messages in various forms of media mm-hmm. uh, prior to uh, putting events into place. And so they, they essentially normalize us to these ideas before they happen so that they can make these events happen. Hmm. So like, if, if they were going to put out some sort of contagion out there, right? They would put stuff in the media that would normalize our minds to that. Um, I first heard about this sort of concept with 9-11 because there was various media going back a decade before 9-11 where basically they were quote unquote predicting it, right? And all the conspiracy theorists are saying, oh, the government's trying to normalize it. Um, now, again, I'm not saying that I'm behind that theory, mm-hmm. but it is really interesting when you go back and you see stuff told as if it was this crazy thing that'll never happen, and then it does happen. I, I do find that very interesting. Are they predicting? Is it just super coincidental? I'm sure, I guess, for every movie that was made that happened to be extremely close, there's probably many others that were very off. But can't help but have a little bit of a question mark. Yeah, it it does put that question mark. Now, I personally don't believe that the government is out to get us like that. I think that sometimes the government is self-serving, but I don't think that they're trying to destroy society and subliminally get us to believe stuff like that. It's just a very fascinating theory that I've heard. 
Mm. Well, you know, whether it's true or whether it's not, it's like one of those things, it's like you don't know until you know. Yeah. It is a little bit trivial and abstract to really put all of our eggs into that basket because I know myself personally trying to stay on top of, you know, like what is reality about this and like what is all the story and everything. I've had multiple experiences throughout the onset of this where here's the truth of the matter at first until about mm, 10 days ago I was very complacent about all of that just like oh okay no it's whatever it's a thing all right like no no thought kind of came over my head about about it being a real big deal then it started to get you know a little bit more in the public eye and people are you know starting to go on and getting food and things like that I'm like hmm okay curious I go from complacent and naive to huh, this is interesting, to now where it's like most people minus, I feel like, sadly to say it, most of the younger generation are, are <laughs> really part of the younger generation. So we're allowed to say that. <laughs> oh, I have so many, my, my dad, man, he's just like, he's like, yeah, your people. Yeah, they're the problem. <laughs> you're the you're the one running out to the beach on spring break which it's freaking spring break like that doesn't help running out to the beach on spring break just making out with everyone and dancing around and sweating and <laughs> transmitting stuff like oh we're fine we got great immune systems meanwhile there's people who are not that fortunate and we're unconsciously spreading it just rampant about because we're we can be a little bit careless but Hey, fingers crossed. Hopefully it doesn't get a whole lot worse. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't think it's going to get a whole lot worse from, from um, my, uh, my fiance. She, she has a family business and their family business is all across the United States. Mm -hmm. So they've been keeping tabs on things because they have to, sure. because their, their business has dependencies on what happens with everything going on. Um, and what, some of the things that are happening in other countries is it's everything's starting to plateau sure. in a bunch of these countries where um, people were freaking out before. Mm -hmm. So the, the plateaus I see as a really good sign that we're probably getting cl close. I'm not a hundred percent sure if we're there, but getting close to the, the thick of it, as you said. Yeah. Well, taking a little bit different spin on it because although we are talking about, was it COVID-19? I should know this yeah. by now. COVID-19, that's actually not what this entirety of this podcast is about. So I want to take a little, bit a, a, different, a, a little bit of a different spin on it, which is in all of the chaos and mm -hmm. all of the upheaval and all of the uh, being quarantined, you know, maybe, maybe someday down the road, years maybe five years ten years somebody will listen to this it'll be a different time frame like this will be like almost an archaic conversation like oh yeah that one time in 2020 um what do you think on the other side of this with so much negativity all this stuff that's going around what do you think as a society as a whole or as just an individual person that this is really showing us like what's important in this junction in life that's really interesting um the way you phrase that question uh, because what is really important? That's a question we ask ourselves so often, but we don't really stop to think about it, especially um, just in the day-to-day the -day muckery that is some people's lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
one thing that I actually see very beneficial coronavirus is that it's actually making a lot of people stop and ask the question, what really is important? Mm-hmm. Um, so often people neglect their families and um, neglect so many parts of their lives, neglect themselves. Yeah. And it, it sadly takes something crazy like this to get them to stop and really ask that question. Mm-hmm. What is important in our lives? I think that's something that's actually kind of beneficial about the coronavirus is people are actually um, being forced to stay at home and they have the opportunity to actually spend more time with their family. Mm -hmm. I think that's really neat. Another thing that it's not here right at this moment, but I think we're going to see soon is uh, is the phrase, this too will pass. Mm. There's, there's a lot of craziness that happens in the world all the time. It's not just the coronavirus. There's always something going on. And if it's not something at a grand scale, it's something going on personally. Mm-hmm. But something to take away is this too will pass. The future will come. Things are, might be crazy at this moment, but just give it a little bit of time. And things are going to change. Things will get better. New things will develop. New opportunities will be in front of you. I was listening to a Russell Brand video. And it was funny. He, he actually kind of detailed his journey of going from like, oh, it's, this is a silly thing that's going on to, oh, shit. <laughs> things get a little wild out there. And one of the things that he pointed at kind of going a a layer a little bit deeper was that in a weird way, it's almost like this is nature's way of, you know, read it however you'd like, you know, you can keep it as surface level as you want. You can really take it deeper, but this is really almost like nature's way of resetting and giving us this time to really get down to the core of, as we're mentioning, what, what really is important, but nature's way of saying like, hey, look, like when, now that we've given you time, you're, you're, in, you're in confined, confined locations with, not, with one another for extended period of time. Maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're with your roommates, whatever it is, but what's the thing now, if you like if nature was speaking to us, like what's the thing now that you want more than anything now? For me, having been confined or quarantined which I actually really have been self-quarantined for the past like week and a half sadly because I had like strep and I got like a bacterial infection a virus like I already had my own things not corona prior to this really taking its its full wings and for me the thing that I want more than anything now that I'm like jokingly talking to people about is a damn hug like to just be able to hold another human being, take a big inhale with that person and to just be like grateful for them. Meanwhile, I'm walking past people and it's, and they're like, we're joking like, oh, you know, like uh, social distancing, whatever. But it, it, on a soul level, I'm just like, but I really want to hug you though. I really want to hug you and let you know how much I care about you more than words because you can only get so close with words. 
I heard something, I don't remember where I read this. One day I'm going to be really good at just being able to pinpoint things from where I heard them. But it said that poetry is like the closest thing that we can get to God. Like being able to create these coercions of words. But outside of that, when you remove the semantics, when you move the constructs and the confines of language, because much like how Bruce Lee had pointed out that when we're using words, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. It's not the moon itself, but it's trying to describe it. And in that way, telling someone, I love you, I appreciate you, I care about you, although that has weight and that has gravity, there's something distinctly different when you have that human interaction, not only like on a, on a chemical level, because like obviously like there's like the release of you know, oxytocin and, and other uh, chemicals in the body that feel good, but being able to just have that, that warmth, that exchange, that's something to me that I can definitely say that I, I enjoyed it and I appreciated it, but there's still a level to which I had taken that for granted. In, in the midst of everything you're talking about, um, the, the poetry being the closest thing to God, it's really, that's a really interesting idea. Um, when you look at a lot of different religions, one of the things that you end up finding a lot of is poetry and songs. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people grasp onto those more than the stories. Mm. Um, and it, it very well could be because of that. And you, you find when you, especially when you just listen to music, there's a, there's something that can be delivered, not just in the words being spoken, but in the beats that are presented within it. Mm -hmm. um, that just adds this extra layer that you don't get without the beat in the background, the, mm -hmm the the thump of the drum beat in the background like the the beat of a heart right um the the melody being played on the guitar or the keyboard or you know whatever it is depending on the music yeah that is is almost the the over the overlayer of the story that you're hearing right now but there's more to it in the background that you don't necessarily it's not present to you in the foreground but it's still there almost like the other lives that are going on around us um, it's it's really interesting how you can find all of that in music um, and then another thing that I was thinking about when you were going through what you're saying is the concept of a reset right maybe this is the way that the world is trying to reset some things mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, I actually recently read a book um, I had to pull it up because I wasn't sure who the author was. It's called Pressing Reset, Original Strength uh, by Tim Anderson. And it's a, it's a, it's a workout book with uh, physical exercises. And the concept of it is that there are specific exercises you can do, which are essentially like pressing a reset on your body. And that when you do them throughout your life, um, it keeps your body fresh, normal. Just like if you've left your computer on too long, it starts to slow down and you press reset, start it back up and it works fine again. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we need to press that reset in different parts of our lives. 
um, even if, if you take it more into your personal life, right? Uh, so often, and I find this with people that I work with, people get so lodged into the work they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're just pushing, pushing, pushing in the work and they're neglecting the rest of their lives. And when you neglect different parts of your life, like your health, like your family, uh, you end up breaking down and you have to press reset. You have to counterbalance into those areas um, to get back to a good norm for you. And we don't do that enough, I feel. As a society, we're really bad about doing that. But you have to, you have to almost ask the question though, the oak tree, we look at the oak tree and we see all this magnificence. We see how brilliant as we look at it, like, wow, that's a really beautiful oak tree. And we, we look at it in awe and everything like that. But the oak tree is a byproduct of its foundation. Now, if the foundation, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, is that when our foundation, which to me is kind of the question I want to ask you, is this question mark of, well, what is driving that behavior? Because fundamentally, at least in my current belief system, is that there's always something driving behavior, whether it's a, I need to be better, or I'll never feel like I'm good enough, or you got something instilled from you as a child from your parent, or you, you know, something happened. And then as a result, our, our behavior is being driven by something that is unconscious to us. Now we're going to like, we're like, like Jungian type theory, like psychoanalysis and things like that. But this isn't just like a you thing or a me thing. This is like at large, the world, that, the world that we live in, at least I think in the American culture, right? The individualistic society, you know, the American dream, you go and you bust your butt cheeks uh, and you bleed out of your eyeballs and you, (laughs) you, you die, you live, you breathe, you die (laughs) to, to get yours. Where? If if it doesn't have your blood, sweat and tears, you didn't really do it. (laughs) It didn't really. Yeah. It's like, if you didn't, if you didn't take a picture, it didn't really happen. (laughs) I've done a lot of really silly, stupid, and also really cool things, and none of those things made it on pictures or videos, sadly. They still happened. <laughs> but what, where is this coming from? So that, that is a very loaded question. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to start off with that. And <laughs> there's probably not enough time to talk about where that all comes from. Um, part of it comes from our own lives um, and putting certain emphases on it, whether it's due to our history or whether it's due to uh, misaligned uh, results we're looking for in life. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, when I was younger, I put a higher emphasis on finding a girl than I did on trying to create my future. Yeah. And it was only when I realized that I needed there. to, yeah, m- most guys have been there because we're, we're uh, very simple like that. <laughs> but, um, but in, in reality, we, a lot of us really do that. And I had, I had to realize that I needed to put an emphasis on me before I could find a good girl. Mm-hmm. before I could find that person to spend my life with. And if I didn't have me set up right, I couldn't find that person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a part of it. Another part of it is there there are things that we believe as a society, which I think are fundamentally either wrong or misrepresented. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for instance, you're talking about American society, right? One thing that I think is really broken in American society is um, you, uh, our founding fathers said, you have the right to pursue, um, well, oh, well, I just totally blanked. Um, the three life, things liberty, that, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you. Yes. Life, liberty, and the, the pursuit, pursuit of, of happiness. happiness. Right. What, what did the founding fathers mean by that? Mm. Right. What they intended on meaning with that is basically looking for your purpose in life and being able to live into that purpose. That's what they defined as quote unquote happiness. But most of our society today almost you isn't looking for that purpose per se, but they're looking for this, this perpetual happiness, mm-hmm. this thing that doesn't exist, this, this uh, euphoric happiness that persists forever and nothing will ever break it. Yeah. But if you look at the pursuit of purpose, you're going to have challenging times. You're going to have frustrations. You're going to have times where you want to bang your head against the wall. I had three of those today. Yeah, you had three of those today. Exactly. <laughs> I've got one of those almost every single day, right? And I, I, I'm not always this euphorically happy person, right? I will say I'm almost always a happy person. Yeah. I like to smile. I like to laugh. That's a huge part of my life. But I'm not like this like perpetual uh, mountain of happiness that you can't shake, right? There are some days I'm down in the dumps. That's the reality of it. And because I'm pursuing my purpose in this, and this is a part of the process, I wouldn't have it any other way. The, the, uh, the euphoric happiness, is, it's, it's a myth. It doesn't actually exist like that. Or at least the um, sustained euphoric yes, happiness. Yes, there, there's, there's going to be high points that are absolutely amazing. And there's going to be low points that suck. And you're going to want to figure out how to get out of them as quickly as possible. But mm. the, the journey isn't great unless you have both of those. If, if you are euphorically happy all the time, the truth of the matter is you wouldn't be doing anything with your life. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the truth of it, right? One of my mentors, Brian Johnson, uh, he, he told me a story about Hercules, right? The, the great Greek, Greek, Roman, Greek, Greek hero. I, I, I get the two mixed up sometimes because the Romans actually stole Greek um, thoughts and everything. But the story goes that um, Hercules was walking down the road one day and he came across these two women, right? The first woman was this, this beautiful person, right? If, if we're talking in today's, um, today's ideas right she'd be she'd be ready for the gram right (laughs) she'd be ready for the gram right she's made up and perfect right (laughs) and she she tells hercules that her name is euphoria and what euphoria in the greek Mm. word what that meant is the good soul right it's what we should be striving for um and she told hercules that if you follow me 
right? You will have this perpetual happiness that lasts forever. Now, the thing is, that wasn't actually euphoria. It was actually um, it, basically vain, right? This vain beauty. Hmm. It's this concept that um, if you just do what makes you happy all the time, you'll be happy. But it doesn't actually lead to anything good. Hmm. It leads to really nothing at the end of the day. So if you go to all the parties all the time and you chase the women all the time, at the end of the day, it doesn't end with anything. It ends with this, this loss, really. Now, on the other side of this woman, mm -hmm. there's, there's another woman, also beautiful, but not in the same made-up way, right? It's not, the, it's not the gram ready, right? She was, she's beautiful in her own very different way. And she, told, she tells Hercules that if you follow me, the path is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but you will achieve things that no one else will ever accomplish. And that's the path that he follows. And if you look at the life of Hercules, he has the, the trials and the challenges that he has to overcome. And even to today, thousands of years later, we can still talk about his story. We still remember Hercules as a hero. Why? Because he followed the other path, mm -hmm. the path that wasn't easy. I've never heard that story before. And that's really good. And it actually points out, this is really cool. You and I were talking recently, actually it was about the formulation of this podcast and putting some words to what it is that we, you know, really what we're up to. And one of the concepts that we were playing with was how, much like how you pointed out, it was euphoria. Do you know the name of the other person? I can't remember. Uh, virtue. Virtue is the name of the other person. Imagine ha. that. Imagine, Imagine that. that. Virtue. <clears throat> so on one hand, you have the IG model. On the other hand, you have someone that's not necessarily the IG model, but they're basically telling you if you work for it that you will have you'll you'll achieve great marks. You will you will probably, if I'm taking a shot in the dark here, you'll you'll experience a level of sustained fulfillment unlike anything that you possibly could going down the path of euphoria, or rather incessantly chasing this path of euphoria, much like uh, the metaphor of the the dog, the mule with a carrot in front of its mouth. You're constantly reaching, you're constantly just one day I'm going to get this carrot. And we had played with this whole concept of using things in our external environment, external stimuli, drugs, partying, alcohol, video games, traveling, spending time with friends, anything really. And I'm going to also clarify what I mean by that. <clears throat> yeah. But anything that's used as a means to fill a hole inside of us that we are unaware of. When in reality, what we're truly seeking is to feel whole. It'd be much like if 
you had something something like out of like a cartoon if you like if you shot the character in the cartoon like shot through the belly you just like see like something pour out of them <laughs> you like it's kind of like that but like we're, we're taking these this almost like this puzzle piece and we're trying to plug it back in and we think that something in our external world is ultimately going to do that for us but in reality the work to do as the is on the internal i know this from personal experience because and what i to clarify the you know using travel and even hanging out with friends or spending time with family as a means to to fill that hole is for me, I noticed that I'm a generally positive, upbeat person. But for the longest time, I almost had this like, for just because it's the first knowledge that popped in my head, but like kind of like a Robin Williams type thing. Mm. Like he's so mm-hmm. outwardly positive and upbeat. And he makes people laugh, but behind the scenes, he's in so much pain. He's in so much hurt. And I remember that I would use video games to numb out. I would go and I would always just spend all the time that I could with friends because I knew that it was the time that I was alone. That was the time that was the most difficult. And with this story of euphoria versus virtue, euphoria is this promise of, oh, well, you'll, you'll get this peak experience. But it's not true to the way that I believe the natural function of life is. I relate to life more of being like that of in an ocean. Each wave has a peak and it has a trough. It has an up and it has its down. And if you're truly riding the wave correctly, if you're riding and living a virtuous life, you follow the, the paths of virtue, the uh, commonly known two rows diversion of yellow wood. I took the one less traveled, like the one of virtue, the one that requires a sustained commitment that would, in my mind, be the thing that leads us to becoming whole once again. Because I think that we all started whole. We came into this world whole. We came complete. We came with all the things that we needed. And then naturally, as we start playing the video game that is life, and we start adding on different skills, abilities, and everything else, and we end up putting all this armor on, we end up actually forgetting what our core essence is. And we end up using external things to validate us when in reality, what we needed, much like this crazy reset that's going on in the world, is just to take a second, slow down, and listen. And listening is such a huge thing. We we so often listen to the outside voices that are around us, and the outside voices say, we need this and we need that. And the world has gotten really good at telling us the things we need. And that's not a good thing for us. hmm And more often than not, I would say about 95% of the time, we know what we need, but we don't sit down and listen to it. We've got that hole inside of us where if you actually sat down and listened to it, it would tell you exactly what it is you need. I'm too busy though. But I'm too busy, but I need to fulfill this duty over here and I need to fulfill that thing over there. Um... And if, if, if you would actually stop and listen to it, you would find it's telling you exactly what you need. Point in case, I was in this relationship that ended really, really badly. And part of the reason it ended so badly was because I was listening to those outside voices saying I needed to do this and I needed to do that. And in, in you know, they say uh, in arrears, everything's 2020, right? Um, But when I actually looked back and started listening to that voice deep inside of me, what it was telling me was that 
I wasn't living up to my potential in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And if I had stayed in that relationship, I would have been decreasing my potential purposefully mm -hmm. to be a part of that relationship because they had this vision for their lives and it's a great vision for them. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but their vision for their life, they wanted to do something very small with their life. And that is a perfect vision for them. And it was not what my life was telling me that I needed. What my inside was telling me was I was created for something much bigger mm -hmm. and that I personally need to live into that big image of myself. And if I were to squash that inside of me, I would have literally killed myself over it in the long term. Mm -hmm. From the inside out. From the inside out, exactly. And when I started to listen to that voice and started living into what that voice was telling me I needed to become, that's when things started to change in my life for the better. That's when I started to meet people who actually made me happy. That's when I started to do more things in my life that allowed me to become the, the person I am today. But it wouldn't have happened if I didn't listen to that voice inside of me. That voice, once I started listening to it, filled itself up. It wasn't these things outside of me that filled it up. It filled itself up by being who it was telling me to be. And which voice, because here's the thing is, I'm, I know that I'm one of those people who has got plenty of voices because there's the one in my head, which is the one, there's multiple actually. The voice that you're referring to, I, I kind of commonly play to as being like, you know, call it God, call it spirit, call it higher self, mm -hmm. call it, you know, your gut, whatever it naturally calls to you. Then there's the other voice. I have a couple of them. I have one that I refer to as my inner child. Inner child is the one that needs to be nurtured and to be heard and to, you know, like be like hugged and, and listened to. Then I have, and I, I started to play with names with these, but then I have my inner bitch. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is like the little brat <laughs> that just needs to be put into timeout sometimes. <laughs> but for some reason or another, this one is a bit unruly and it goes into your kitchen and it takes every single dish, every single fork, knife, pan, beats them all against each other, throws them on the ground, eats all the food in your kitchen, walks out the front door, slams it, and pulls off the knob as it goes out. How are you distinguishing between <laughs> that one or any, whatever your versions are of those and the one that actually has like your good intentions and is the one that's actually speaking reason into you in, the, in that time when you're in that relationship? And there's the part of you that uh, what I'm kind of, guessing is like is wanting to latch on to what's comfortable and what you've known versus the part of you that's like but i meant for bigger things i meant for something different than this and there's nothing wrong with you it's just i have to go and do my it's not you it's me i gotta go do my thing <laughs> yeah so that's an awesome question and uh just to to preface this i'm a christian so the 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 deep 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 voice for me is god yeah. Right. And I, I would say that from, from the research I've done and the scientific studies that I've looked into and all this stuff, that the three voices are actually one and the same mm -hmm. that I listen to. But I would call it the heart, the intuition, and God. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's the voice that I would talk, that I would say is the one we need to listen to. And when I say heart, I mean the the literal heart. There's actually this really fascinating uh, scientific research that's come out from HeartMath, oh, which is an organization. Yeah, I've I've been certified with this organization. So cool. But this this is just absolutely fascinating. The heart actually has neurons that are a part of it, which it's basically its own brain center. And it communicates back and forth with the brain, mm-hmm. as, as we call it. And the heart actually tells the brain what to do more often than the brain tells the heart what to do. And within this, I believe that the heart, intuition, God all speak from the same place. Mm-hmm. And the other voices that you're referring to are all the voices of the brain. And so often we try and put the brain in front of everything, mm-hmm. right? It's if, if you look at the Bible, again, I'm Christian. I'm not saying you have to be Christian. I'm saying I'm Christian, right? Yeah. You look at the story of Adam and Eve, right? There's the two trees, right? There's the tree of life and there's the tree of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Again, this is the battle between the heart and the brain. And Adam and Eve's sin was that they listened to the brain before they listened to the heart, mm-hmm. right? The, there's the voice of the snake, the voice of reason. Why shouldn't you eat from the tree of knowledge? Is he, is he being God trying to hide something from you? If you were to eat from it, maybe you would be as smart as God and you would become a God yourself. That's all in the brain. And it's those voices, we listen to those that put us on a path away from our intuition, our heart. And the voice in the brain has a bunch of different voices. You you were talking about a few of yours, right? One of mine is fear, right? I've never done that before. Is that really possible? Are you equipped to do that? right? Some of, some of the dreams that I have for my life span out 50 plus years, which you and I were talking about this. That's insane to most people. Mm-hmm. They're like, how can you think 50 years into the future? Yeah, especially like, now. <laughs> especially now when the world is changing at these incredibly fast paces, right? And yet, when I, when I listen to that voice of intuition, it's going out 50 years and telling me that's the direction I need to head into. But so often that voice of fear and the other voices in my brain say, that's insane, that will never happen. You're nuts for thinking that, right? And every single time I listen to that voice of intuition, I listen to my heart, I start making progress towards that 50-year goal, sometimes faster than I believe is possible. For instance, I am 26 years old. I've been published in Forbes. I have a TV show. I never imagined, if you would have talked to me six years ago, I would have told you you were crazy that I'd have my own TV show. I would have told you that you're completely nuts that Forbes came to me for anything. And yet that has happened. Why? Because I listened to that voice of intuition. 
I started moving towards those big goals that sound crazy. And things started happening in my life that I still sound crazy to me sometimes. I'm still like, is that true? Like, uh, someone's <laughs> playing a joke on me. Is this a dream? Like, that still goes through my mind sometimes. But it's happening because I listen to the inside voice. I think I made a post just today, actually, that said the matters of the heart are not to be reasoned with by the faculties of the head. Yes. And I know myself. Literally. Not, not just metaphorically. Literally. <laughs> literally, actually. Um, and it's interesting because I, I have a regular practice of as soon as I wake up, I meditate. Mm-hmm which is probably one of my absolute favorite, most favorite times of the day is because that is when <clears throat> in, uh, you know, talking from a, like a neuroscience perspective, when the brain waves are most fresh and primed because we have that like over agitated, over analyzing, anxious brainwave state of like high, high, high beta, which is where I know that I spend so much time when I get into the, to the realm of overthinking again, like displacing and replacing the heart intelligence and kind of like what they talk about heart math, you create incoherent, <clears throat> you create incoherent frequencies between your brain and your heart. And all of a sudden we're in this pimped up, frustrated, depressed, anxious, like whatever extent that it goes to end up ending in these states. But when I wake up in the morning and I'm probably more likely to be in alpha to theta, which is somewhere between like, creativity and a good imagination good imaginative state there's there's a lot of peace a lot of quiet and they said that 80 percent, about 80 percent of all of our sensory information comes in through our eyes if of course that is if you can see i'm sure that that's a different number if you can't but when you take that energy so to speak when you take that all that information then you turn it inwards what ends up happening and for me in those morning times it's when I have the deepest connection to that intelligence. That's when something like that little combination and collaboration of words comes together into this, you know, pretty nice little phrase. And it's being able to sustain that level of being throughout the day, which is circling back to our original conversation about euphoria versus virtue, being able to actually live this virtuous life as a byproduct of these states that I was creating for myself. But man, it's hard. It's, it's hard super hard to keep yourself in that state. Yeah, it's very hard, right? Because, because uh, it, book that I love. Um, I tell, I've told you about it a lot. I tell everyone about it a lot because I really just am totally in love with the mindset of this book. It's the one thing. It's on my desk. It's on your desk. It's on my desk. It's, uh, it's just a phenomenal book. Um, and one of the things they talk about is the, the concept of willpower. Right? Say there, there is the lie that willpower is on will call, mm -hmm. which means that willpower is always available to us. The reason why it's easier to be in tuned with your inner self at the beginning of the day and harder to be in tune with it at the end of the day is because willpower is not on will call. 
right? It drains throughout the day. And there's, there's science that says you can refresh it for periods of time, but as you use it more, you have less of it to use, yeah. generally speaking. And so as you use it throughout the day, it's harder and harder to do it. That's why the things that tend to be less virtuous happen at the end of the day. <laughs> for instance, so many people who go on diets when is the highest time they're most likely to snack on things they know they're not supposed to be snacking on? The end of the day or the middle of the night when they have the least amount of willpower. Mm -hmm. It's because literally they've used their willpower so often throughout the day that at the end of the day, they just don't have the energy anymore to stick with it. And when we don't have the energy to stick with it, we fall back on our oldest habits which if our habits haven't been designed to be beneficial for us, it's most likely going to be detrimental to us. Mm -hmm. That's how it is for most people, including me. I'm like, I'm not some sort of like crazy outlier to this thing. This, this is me too. Oh, so you're uh, human is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm human. <laughs> exactly. Sure? Last time I checked, I mean, maybe <laughs> I need to go to a doctor and get a second opinion, but no, but yes, I'm human right? This, this is what happens to all of us. And it's hard to change that, hob, that, that habit. It's hard to listen to the voice of virtue. And there are things you can do to help make it better, like building habits around the things that you want to be a part of your life, like doing the harder things at the beginning of the day, right? Mm -hmm. Like listening to that internal voice. That internal voice is going to be loudest at the beginning of the day. Why? Because your brain hasn't had the time to think about all the other nonsense. If you, think, if you try to go internal at the end of the day, it's going to be hard because your, your brain has literally been focused on so many other things throughout the day that it's becoming louder than that internal voice. And we tend to listen to the loudest thing in the room, whether it's good for us or not. That's a good point. Yeah, you can try or want to keep your, your zen about it, but when someone's got a megaphone blasting in your ear, they got the air horn like all up in your yeah. ish, then you, it's you hard can, not to be focused on that. It's hard not to get real thrown off and out of whack right in that exact moment. Very, very hard. And that's human, right? We, one thing that you, we have to realize is we're human, right? These things are hard to do sometimes. We're not going to be perfect. And that's okay. You have to say that's okay. You're, you're not going to get all things done, done every single day. You're, you're going to do things that aren't perfect and you're going to look back and you're going to say, sheesh, I wish I would have gone slightly differently. I do that almost every day, right? Yeah. That's, that's part of the human experience. Welcome. You're one of us and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to being a human. May I take your order? Here's a side <laughs> of you, you did this wrong and you messed this up, but hey, there's a little sprinkle of it's okay. It's going to be all right. We got you. Here's a pat on the back. All right. Now get back in the game, kid. Keep swinging. Exactly. And you have to keep swinging, right? Look, it, it, it's talking about swinging, right? It's usually the people who fail the most that find success the most quickly, 
Look at Michael Jordan. Look at Babe Ruth. What are some of the things they have in common? They probably missed a lot of shots and swung at a lot of balls and missed most of them. Most of them, yeah. Babe Ruth was the home run king for a long period of time. I think he still is, but I could be mistaken on that. But even if he's not the home run, home run king anymore, he's still one of the highest home, home run hitters in all time. And he was also the strikeout king. He struck out more than anybody else in the league. He had to strike out in order to find the home runs. Michael Jordan is the same way. I still personally believe he's the best basketball player of all time. That's my personal opinion. Some people will argue with me and they're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. And they're wrong. You are absolutely dead. No, it's LeBron James. No, it's Kobe. Rest in peace. Uh, Yeah, definitely rest in peace. It's been a really interesting year. Yeah. It it has, it's been a crazy, very crazy start to this year. Um, Yeah, we're only in March. I... I have been on record saying that I think this is going to be a great year and a great decade. <laughs> I, I have that on record. You can, I've got my podcast. You can listen to my podcast. And there is a record of me at the very beginning of this year saying, I think this is going to be a great year and a great decade. And life is kind of laughing at me so far. But Hopefully I still it believe better. it's going to get better. And this too will pass. This right? too shall pass. <laughs> Meanwhile, Corona's like, you shall not pass. And we're like, please let us, we, we have <laughs> stuff to do. Man, there's so many videos and pictures and gifts and everything. People are getting bored. Oh my goodness. People are so bored. It's, it's hilarious. It's like, like technology is almost like um, it's spoiled us. In, in many ways, right? And um, I don't know where I was going with this. That's okay, whatever. I, it's like, what, what did you guys do before, right? Before Corona was here? There's, I'm sure there was stuff you did. I don't know. It's like, take it, <laughs> take it, take it as an opportunity. Maybe go spend time with your people or maybe there's that book you've been trying to read or maybe you meditate a little bit more, pick up a new skill. I see a yeah. lot of people like playing instruments, which is really cool. So that- here, if you're bored right now, I've got a great, a great thing for you to go and do. Go read the one thing. It's a brilliant book. The brilliant breaking the book. habit of being yourself. That's one that I've been hooked on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why is that? <clears throat> Uh, Break the Habit of Being Yourself. That's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I mean, you know, I've been I've been talking about his work for a little while. Uh, sometimes I, I get a little bit too excited because some of the concepts and the things that he's teaching can get really. Uh, I mean, it's it's neuroscience, it's it's epigenetics, it's neuroendocrinology. Like the, his his space and his sphere really all falls in line with the science of possibility and how we can, in essence break the habit of being ourself and create a new one and the whole point of his work is pointing at that who we are who we be our personality which one of his taglines is our personality creates our personal reality and our personality consists of how we think how we feel and how we act and in short what he is, if I can really even put it short, I think I'm just using that as filler words. 
what I'm gathering from his work is that we have a predictable set of thoughts, feeling, and actions that we have essentially neurochemically in our brain and our body trained ourselves to such a degree that our subconscious, which he correlates with, uh, there's three three main brains as he's kind of described it. You have your uh, your prefrontal cortex, which is like where the majority of your analytical, rational thought is being done. It's where like the conscious mind is existing. The conscious mind, exactly. Yeah. Then there's what he would refer to as the midbrain or the limbic brain, which is more of the seat of the emotions mm-hmm. and the, the chemical re- releases that lead to those emotional responses. And then you have the seat of the subconscious he refers to, it, which is the cerebellum. And this is where all unconscious, automatic, autonomic responses in the body are being stored. And essentially what he is pointing at is that when you've had enough pairings of a thought, a thought creates a a reaction in the brain. It releases a neurotransmitter basically like uh like a message it's like when you have a thought like today is awesome it literally creates a a chemical message rather it creates a message in the brain which then leads to a neuropeptide which is a chemical messenger that peptide then travels down the body it's like the the neurotransmitter is the message and then the peptide is like the vehicle and it travels its butt all the way down into one of the glands one of the major uh like glands like the adrenal gland, which is the secretion of these chemicals and hormones as I understand it. And eventually it gets to a point in the body where once it lands there, the neuropeptide latches onto the the receptor sites of a cell. And inside of each cell is the genes and DNA. And essentially what he's pointing is that when we've had that thought leading to that neuropeptide, that chemical release attaching onto a cell, the end product of any kind of experience is an emotion. And emotions, if done enough times, can be trained to the body to such a subconscious level that we can have a full experience without our saying, meaning if I had this experience in my outside external world where I was, I was, a, I was attacked by a dog, First thought is I see this vicious dog. I say, holy crap, there's this dog. And all of a sudden I get attacked by a dog. And that could, between the thought and the emotion of that experience is it could condition my body subconsciously so much so that the next time I see any kind of dog, I can have an immediate emotional reaction without my saying whatsoever. The subconscious part of the brain then is working without us. So the entire purpose of breaking the habit of being yourself is learning that who we are as a majority are being, we've essentially programmed ourselves to be these unconscious creatures of habit. And these habits are oftentimes pointing at, pointing ourselves in the direction of life that ultimately don't want to go. We're like, I'm frustrated all the time. Why am I frustrated all the time? It's like, oh, well, you, you've done a really good job at conditioning yourself that way. And eventually it gets to the point where you can feel something like your body, you can have all the conscious thought in the world, which actually this is perfect because we were talking about heart math, the, the brain and the heart, the body being incoherent when the brain, you can have all the positive thoughts in the world about, oh, I want to have an amazing life and I want to 
and I want to have this amazing house and I want an amazing relationship. But when your body's been conditioned another way, you create an incoherency in your brain and your body. And essentially what he's talking about is this electromagnetic field where the or electromagnetic resonance where the electro pieces are thoughts, meaning we send things out into the, as he referred to as the quantum field. And the magnetic part being the emotions, meaning what we pull towards us. So if I set out a conscious thought saying, I want financial abundance, but my body is conditioned for lack and poor and, and not that, then the body actually starts to send thoughts up to the brain saying, nope, you're not that. You're not that. It creates an incoherent signal. And his whole thing is when you can create a coherent signal of thought and feeling, you can essentially project out into the quantum field what you're wanting to create. And instead of being conditioned, living presently, although you think living presently, conditioned in the past, you can break that habit of being yourself. You can recondition your mind to a new one. And now instead of hoping and pleading for something, you live now in an experience training your body to live in an experience now as if it's already happened ultimately generating a level of being before the experience happens. And we do so through the process of meditation and mental rehearsal, being able to see ourselves in this experience before it's even happened. Now that was a lot. <laughs> Hopefully in all those words that I said, it made a little bit of sense, but this whole work and it, you were talking about heart math. It just shows how important it is for us to keep ourselves grounded with a clear intention for the future living it presently as if it's already happened and ultimately generating a life that works for us yeah one, one of the things that i i don't remember where i heard this from but the brain is really good at pointing out bs right Truth. the brain is really good at pointing out bs so if you feel like your life is crappy and you say oh my life is wonderful you're you're brain is going to try and point out all the reasons why it's actually crappy. Mm -hmm. And that's why just saying that it's great isn't really enough at the end of the day. You actually have to know why it's great. You have to find gratitude. You have to find the pieces of yourself that actually are great. And we all have those pieces. And there is someone listening right now who is saying to themselves, I don't have anything great about myself. I know that person is out there because I have been that person before. Yeah, me too. That is normal to feel like that. And it is not true. We all have things about us that are absolutely amazing, that are truly wonderful. And it doesn't even have to be like, like some awesome, amazing, talented thing that makes you awesome. It could be something very simple that makes you awesome. And if that's what you have, latch on to that. And what you begin to find is when you latch on to those, even if it's a very simple thing that's awesome about yourself, you begin to create more opportunities in your life where you find more awesome things about yourself you begin, you were talking about that magnetism, right? You begin to attract more awesome things to you. And as you attract those awesome things to you, 
your life actually begins to align with the awesome things about you. Mm -hmm. And then it's no longer a lie when you say, my life is awesome. Because you've begun to attract these things to the awesome parts that are you. Yeah, and they talked about that in the book about what would be referred to as the gap. And imagining that you have your hands right now, I'm, I'm actually doing this, but I have my bottom hand kind of in front of me, kind of faced upwards. And I have my, my top hand being, let's just say about a foot above the other one. And in essence, if you're looking at your bottom hand, this is supposed to be indicative of or representative of who you truly are. And the top hand is supposed to be metaphorically representative of who I outwardly project myself to be. Who I'd like to be someday. The, well, that one actually, so in this analogy, this one's actually slightly different. Okay. Because there is that, because that's like the created self. But first, what he was kind of alluding to is that in this one on the top hand, this is because that's more of like a self-actualization, like we're like Maslow's hierarchy type stuff. In this particular mm -hmm. instance, though, what he's saying is that the gap is actually referring to the space between who we actually are and who we project ourselves out to be into the world. And oftentimes who we project ourselves out to be is actually, it's it's false. It's it's, it's a persona. False. It's a mask. You, how I project myself to be is I am this, you know, this was actually really true for me is and not that it wasn't. I, I'm not this like happy, upbeat person, but I also wasn't being consistent with the fact that I was also really sad and really depressed and really anxious for a good portion of my life. And true sustained, going back to that whole virtue thing, like being able to like create this like sustained level of, you know, happiness, not that it's got to be for you, but like just this level of being where it's just like, I'm all right. I, I'm more than all right. And I'm always going to be more than all right. It's being able to close the gap between who we outwardly project ourselves and who we truly are, being able to remove the illusion and just come as we are. I mean, that's pretty much one of the principal foundations of what this entire movement about is about giving people the space to know that it's okay to come as you are, to not have everything all made up right before we came to on To not here. be Instagram worthy. To not be Instagram worthy. You don't have to come as euphoria. We were, I just showed you that picture on Facebook when <laughs> Facebook someone posted the picture of the two dogs and the <laughs> one on the left, it said what you look like when there's only audio and no video and you see this dog just looking just crazy hair is all over the place just real messed up and on the right side it's like what it looks like when video's on it's all like cripped and printed and makeup's all done like you know expectation versus reality type stuff <laughs> <laughs> when we can let down the illusion and just be who we are in that moment that perhaps is one of the greatest freedoms that we can ever get ourselves. I actually pulled up this quote because I think it's so perfect and it has a really special place in my heart because one, you actually pointed out, you know, if you're someone who's listening and you're like, well, there's nothing good about me. I too have been there real bad. I actually distinctly remember one time in high school when I think it was like my junior year of prom my ass was literally outside in the backyard, climbed up on top of a brick wall, was looking at the moon. And I remember telling myself that I have to be the most ugly and unworthy person that has ever come into this world. And the thing that I wish I had 
someone tell me, and I really didn't embody this, this quote, I don't know who it comes from, but it said that if I could give you one thing in life, I would give you the ability to see yourself through my eyes. Only then would you realize how special you are to me. If you spend enough time with people who truly care about you, you just might find a common thread between what they're saying about you. And although it may not feel resonant at that point, because what they're saying isn't reflective of how you feel inside, which is why it's, it's that incoherent, right? Mm-hmm. Someone's feeding your conscious mind. You're amazing. But on a deeper level, you don't feel that when you can really grok, when you can really grasp that the people can see you for who you truly are, not who you've been conditioned who you've conditioned yourself to be, or even whom other people, you know, society, school, culture, whatever it is, have conditioned you to be, when you can truly get that, we were born being enough. And we will always be enough. And there's nothing that can ever change that. That, to me, is something worth fighting and dying for. Absolutely. And that's, uh, probably the biggest challenge of society right now is people feel like they're not enough. And they are. They may not see why they are enough, but they are enough. They have things that are truly amazing about them. And it doesn't have to be like, I changed the world kind of amazing. No. Some of the most amazing things are so simple, right? Like the ability to smile and wave at somebody. That is truly an amazing thing to be able to do. That that ability alone has literally saved people's lives. There have been people ready to kill themselves, and the one thing that kept them from killing themselves was walking past somebody who actually looked at them, smiled, and recognized them. I felt and most my people heart flutter. <laughs> I know. Most people would think that's that's an unremarkable thing to be able to do. Oh, we can all smile. That's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And yet, that thing alone has the ability to save lives. That is amazing right there. You're not wrong at all. Like not even like a tiny teeny weensy bit. I mean, you can, we can go into all, you know, all the science of it, like mirror neurons and how it can literally like reflect back to the other person, but fundamentally at a human level, being able to share that experience with, with somebody is, it's now more than ever, like I said, not being able to like go and just like, for me, at least like be able to go and just like hug someone and hold someone or be able to just like look in their eyes and smile in them, so, you know, smile and smile at them, look into their eyes and just like yeah. grab them and just be like, you're amazing that that can that can radically change someone's life just take something very small that's that's really all it is and it's the smallest things that really are amazing about us i i watched this awesome documentary um it's it's called um i think it's one strange rock i think that's the name of it and the, uh, the, it, it's about Earth and how Earth came to be and how human life came to be. And it is narrated by Will Smith. 
mm-hmm. which is it's a little dorky. I'm not gonna lie. His narration <laughs> is a little dorky, and uh, it's definitely a laughable. His his narration, like to make fun of. I love Will Smith, but he was he was not born to narrate. But this documentary. Oh yeah, Morgan Freeman's definitely beats Will Smith. I'm sorry, Will Smith, but you're just not Morgan Freeman, <laughs> at least not yet. Um, anyways, this this documentary talks about all the things that had to have happened on this strange rock, that strange rock being Earth, for human life to be a possibility. The the fact that we're alive is a miracle. The fact that um, it, it requires a, a river in the sky for us to be alive. And that is not like some crazy fantasy thing. There is actually a river in the sky that helps fuel the way the earth runs. They talk about this in this documentary. A river in the sky. It's not crazy. It's, it's reality um, that, that allows us to be alive today. The fact that we're alive is a miracle by itself. Yeah, I see you looking this up. You're like, what? A river in the sky? I'm, I'm totally looking it up. It right sounds now. it sounds like the stuff from a fantasy, like fantasy novel. And it is the reality of the world we live in. And what that river in the sky does fuels so many other things in the world that it, it, it's literally insane that we exist. The fact that you're alive is a miracle by itself. Yeah, the, what are these, the, this is like one in 300 trillion that you're even oh, alive. It's, I'm sure it's even less than that, to be completely frank. Like watch, watch that documentary and you'll be like, how the heck does human life exist at all? Like this doesn't even make sense that we exist. It, it, it doesn't make any sort of sense. And yet we do exist. Here we are. And yet we have the ability to smile and that smile prevents someone from killing themselves. That alone is amazing. You don't need more than that. But guess what? We do have more than that. Mm-hmm. We have other talents and abilities. Most of the time, we don't even think they're that great because what we have a tendency to do is we compare our, our, our worst to other people's best. And we have a tendency to compare our best to someone who's further down the line than us. And that is a perpetual battle of losses. Exactly. And that doesn't, if, if your best isn't the best in the world, that doesn't mean it's not amazing, right? For instance, one of my mentors is John Maxwell. He is a phenomenal speaker. And guess what? I am a speaker too. I am not as good as John Maxwell. I can say that flat, simply, and I know that's true. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't mean my ability to speak is not amazing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that my presence on stage isn't amazing. Mm. Sure, I'm not John Maxwell. I accept that. Doesn't mean I'm not amazing. And so often, so many people say that what they're great at isn't amazing because they're looking at John Maxwell, who's been doing this for 50 years. Of course, he's going to be better than you. That doesn't mean 
that you're not amazing. And that could be within anything, right? There, there are business owners who compare themselves to you know, uh, Steve Jobs, or they compare themselves to Bill Gates. They compare themselves to whatever business owner that they want to compare themselves to. And they're like, I'm not as good as that person. Well, of course you're not as good as that person. They've been doing it a lot longer than you. And that doesn't mean that your business isn't great. That doesn't mean your business isn't amazing. There are people who are athletes. There are runners who try to compare themselves to the best runners in the world. There are lacrosse players who try to compare themselves to the best lacrosse players in the world. And they say they suck because they're not as good as the best in the world. No, that doesn't mean you suck. Mm -hmm. It just means they've been doing it a lot longer than you. And if you continue to work at it, you can be absolutely amazing. You may end up being better than them. Won't be easy. They'll take Ooh. a lot of work. Virtue. You're going to have to live in virtue. Exactly. But latch on to those things that do make you amazing. Make them better. Dive into them deeper. And you'll find more joy in doing that than just about anything else in the world. I'm not sure if you remember in the, if it was in the book, the one thing I think that it was, but it, it gave this analogy of a son, real young kid, maybe he was like six or seven years old and his father, <clears throat> maybe it wasn't the one thing, it might've been something else, but the son had created something and let's just say it was like a paper airplane and it was his first model and it brings in his new dad. He's just like, hey, dad, look, like, look what I made. And his dad's just like, I, like, I can't be bothered with right now. Like, I'm, I'm busy. I'm working. Mm -hmm. And he kind of takes like a quick glance at this paper airplane and kind of like almost like the thought crosses his mind of just like, you know, like what almost like a feeble attempt. And the son keeps getting older and older and he keeps coming back with improved models, improved models. And his father, his, his father still just doesn't make the time. But then he comes to this point at some point where his, his son's just like, I just like, dad, won't you like, just spend some time with me? Like, all I want to do is spend time with you. And in this moment, he kind of looks into his boy's eyes and he realizes that and kind of like the, the underpinning message of it was that he had been judging the the yardstick of his experience against that of the beginning journey ruler of what his son had created. And it really created this like alliteration if I'm using that word properly, but it really just like created this like image for me of it is so easy to do that. It is so easy to get lost in what we see <clears throat> every single day, go on social media. Oh, this person has so many likes or, Oh my goodness her body is so much better than mine or his body is so much better. Than, oh my goodness. His, 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 his exercise routines are um, like me. Like I do acrobatics. Like I'm, you know, I'm working on like developing like a one-arm handstand. I see people do one-arm handstands. Like, oh my gosh, they just have these wicked one-arm handstands. Like how- That's okay, I... Wolf. I, I, really quick. When I look at your videos, that's how I feel about myself sometimes. I'm like, holy crap, I want to be that physically fit. What the heck? We're all I doing be able to do that. <laughs> we're, we're all doing it somewhere. I mean, like, heck, I've, like, I've done it multiple times with the way that you conduct yourself in your business. Like, we're always doing that somewhere. And it's like, 
Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. It just is. The thing that has me not be the best version of myself oftentimes is because I can look out into the world and see that someone else is doing it better. I'm just like, well, who the heck would ever want to look or listen or watch what I'm doing? But when that is removed and we can, instead of using it as a space of, I mean, really, it's like envy and jealousy, but on a deeper level, it's like a feeling of, I'm not good enough. Yeah, insecure. I'm not good enough and like wanting to be more. But when you can like really see and acknowledge him and like look at it, oh, that's my, I don't think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's a choice. Will you let that subconscious programming, that thought, and that feeling of inadequacy, of course, inadequacy is not a feeling, that's a concept, but like that feeling of tightness inside of you, will you let that win? As I kind of referred to as like the, the two wolves. Mm -hmm. will you feed that wolf of your old past self that doesn't point you in the direction of your goals or will you feed the one that you've designed that you've created and be willing to just start and do it ugly i mean this podcast is a perfect example you've been through me on this journey i've been so in my head about this wanting to have it look a certain way and oh my god what if people don't like it what if the content doesn't sound good what is the message just a little bit it's happened (laughs) i will own it i will own the fact that i have spent plenty of time ruminating on what I'd like this to be. And perfect example of comparing podcasts. I am just a big, like, I just follow the crap out of Aubrey Marcus's stuff and like, and uh, Joe Rogan's stuff. And I look at theirs. I'm like, Oh, that's what I aspire to be. Like when I look at theirs and my own version of it, but like, that's like a model of, yeah, like I want to have something that has that type of impact and magnitude and creating a community. And if I'm not careful, it's almost just like, looking up at this massive mountain that is Everest and being like, whoa, I'm only on, you know, like my first couple of episodes. But being willing to come here and let it shape out however it shapes out, maybe sounding clunky, maybe sounding whatever, like that's that's part of the journey. But even just being here on this conversation with you, I enjoy this. And even though there's that like part inside of me that's like, oh man, I wonder if anyone's going to listen type thing. It's like, well, you know what? If, if one person listened and it created a positive impact in their life, then to me, then that was well worth every single second that I put into this. We put into this, that anyone who has invested, you, you've invested time into this, like listening to me and giving things back to me, like every single person. I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to every single person who's listened to me, who's provided feedback and insight, because ultimately this is a byproduct of something much larger than me. We are creating something and really just big thank you to you for being a part of this, man. Well, and, and I would, I personally would challenge you to take it even further. Even if, and this isn't going to happen, I'm going to start (laughs) off with that, but even if no one else ever listened to this, even if that happened, yeah. but this podcast brought something positive to you, something amazing to you, that alone is worth it by itself. That's, That's what happened with my podcast, right? I started my podcast off as a a solo series. I went 40 episodes into it as a solo series. Mm -hmm. And almost nobody listened to it. The first 20 episodes I went into, nobody listened to. 
and I enjoyed doing it for myself. And that alone was worth it. Mm. And after 40 episodes, I decided that I wanted to change the format. And I did. And I'm happy that I changed the format. And I'm happy about how I did it before, too. Yeah. Because it was great for me alone. Even though just about nobody listened to it. It was a great experience for me alone. And sometimes you got to do things just for yourself. And guess what? That's not selfish. You have to have energy in your life before you can give energy to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to feel your bowl before you fill others. I actually think that there's a an incorrect perspective around being selfish. I think that we almost always throw it into a negative connotation, but I think that- we do being selfish is just like me saying from six to eight or 9 PM, I'm doing my rituals. Don't I'm, I'm not available. I'm taking care of my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit. Like I'm taking care of all those things, but in doing that and filling up my cup, I now have more to pour into others. And sometimes the most selfless thing you can ever do is to be selfish. Yeah. And we, we, we take the idea of selfish as we, we, we take it from the idea of it being an extreme, right? If all I do is care only about myself, that is bad. Oh, but yeah. most of us don't live like that. That's not the reality of how we live. And guess what? If all you do is care about other people, you're not going to be that great either. Both extremes suck at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You have to find that good medium. You have to find that, that area where you have enough for you and it allows you to give more to other people around you. Mm-hmm. That comes at that, that, the, the middle area, the right? Middle and I way. say middle area because there's, there's never going to be a perfect middle point, Yeah. right? That, that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as perfect balance. Wolf, you do acrobatics. Is there any moment in time where you're 100% perfectly balanced that no matter what happens in the craziness of the world, you will be able to do that handstand perpetually? Not for more than a moment. Not for more than a moment. Because that, that quote-unquote perfect balance, it just doesn't exist. No. It's you, a constant to, state of arriving. Exactly. You have to make micro-adjustments throughout the entirety of it. Sometimes you have to spend a little more time on yourself. And sometimes you have to spend a little more time on other people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you stay on one area too long, that's where the bad things happen. So find that, that point where you have to make the least amount of adjustments possible. That's what you're looking to find. My friend, it has been a beautiful journey with you. And it'll continue to be beautiful for many years to come. Yes, it shall. It shall indeed as we continue forth on our crazy Dungeness journey, slaying dragons, achieving accolades, mounting dragon heads on our walls. (laughs) To victory and glory. And beyond and all the fun stuff. (laughs) Cody, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else that you want to say before we head out? Uh, Wolf, you are a wonderful individual. 
I am extremely ecstatic to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me here. Um, I'm, it's always a wonderful joy to be able to pass what information I have inside of me to other people, uh, knowing that it has the potential to change lives. That is, uh, it's awesome to have that availability. So thank you for that. I want people to know that whatever things are going on in their life, whether it's coronavirus or feelings of doubt or feelings of inferiority or anything else, that this too will pass and you have more worth than you give yourself credit for. And if anyone's ever looking to get a hold of me, they can find me at my website, www.theleadership.guide. You can find all my stuff there, my podcast, my writings, all that fun stuff is all there. Uh, my email, feel free to reach out to me for anything. Yeah, and if I do my job properly, that will be in the show notes. So you ain't got to remember <laughs> it and jot it down while you're driving or wherever you're at. It should be in the show notes as a clickable link. If I do that properly, but <laughs> Which you will. Because I have faith in you that you will do it well. <laughs> because you'll Facebook message me. Did you put those in the show notes? We talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You, you're making me sound like I'm sort of like some. No, you're some keeping like, me accountable. Is. <laughs> Walking me through the process one step at a time, babying. Anyways. Oh, no, you're, you're, you are a fully grown human adult as capable <laughs> of amazing things. I don't have to hold your hand. You got this. We have our, uh, I mean, honestly, at the soul level, I am a 12-year-old and I embrace the hell out of it. Okay, well, well, there, there's, there's a difference between being able to act in the world as an adult and having the joy and wonder of being a child, because guess what? I'm that guy too, <laughs> right? I'm a, I'm a kid at heart too. I, I plan to always be a kid at heart, even when I hit 125, which is my goal in life, is to hit 125 years old, I'm still going to be a kid at heart. For a second, I thought you meant pounds. I was just like, really? That, that's that's the thing? I don't know what is where my brain went, but yes, got it. 125 <laughs> years. Well, with that, maybe we all become more like our natural state of being in our childlike selves. Thank you guys so much for listening, for tuning in. Thank you for your time, your energy. It means the world for going on this journey with us. My hope is that you find something in this that you can apply to your life. Don't let it just be something else that you listen to and passively go by. You take the time to be with yourself, to be with the people that you care about. Maybe smile at somebody. And uh, thank you for choosing to follow the wolf within you guys. Peace. <laughs>